Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors. We're so glad that you're with us, especially here with us for the very first time. Uh, if you are a guest with us, I always invite our guests to come back at least three times. Ever say three times? Yeah, the reason I do that is primarily because I know that to come to a place, honestly, to go to any place, you got to give it more than once. Sometimes we're just off. And so uh, you have to come back and get a good feel of our church and what we call spiritual family. If you're watching online, do me a favor, like, comment, share, leave a review, do something in the, in the chat. Let us know that you are with us and uh, we're excited to see you hopefully in person very, very soon. Today, we're continuing a series called The Christmas Table. And um, last week, we, we talked about how like the old idea of really this series came from um, when I was a kid. Um, one of the, some of the best memories I have at Christmas time or the holiday season was around the table. It's, come on, how many of y'all like just love the food that comes out only once a year, you know? And and we we had all these great memories, and so we decided let's let's look at the holiday season um, as as the table. And so last week we said before you get to do anything at the table, you got to set it. Everybody say set the table. Yeah, you got to set the table. And we talked about really the idea of setting the table was setting the tone of, of, of your holiday season. And there's so many things that you and I do or don't do or could do that would really affect how the Christmas season is going to look for you and I. And so last week we talked about some great things. I highly encourage you, please go and listen to it. I actually did a little opposite. Normally I'll give you like the how-tos or, hey, try this. Last week I actually gave you the what not to do. I said don't kill the vibe, three ways to kill the vibe. And so definitely go check it out if you haven't YouTube and Spotify, it's everywhere. Um, but today we're going to talk about now that you set the table, now that you've kind of set the tone and the vibe for your holiday season, now what you're going to do, we're going to talk about some of the best things to do at Christmas time is eat at the table. And so we're going to talk about food. How many of y'all like food in here? I mean, you're like, just, I, I'm in, I, I love food. Like, I don't like it. I love food. I used to weigh 325 pounds. I lost like, 100, like 130 pounds or something like that. And um, there's still that 325 pound person inside of me that wants to eat all the time. And so I love, love, love food. And so I talked, I wanted to talk a little bit today about um, food. And you need to know this. If you're a Christian or you follow Jesus at all, um, food is all throughout the Bible. Food is a big deal to God. Um, there's food at the beginning of time. There'll be food at the end. Of the, there's a great, called the wedding supper of the lamb in the revelation. I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing. If you don't like food, you won't like heaven because I believe food will be there. And um, it's, it's going to be amazing. No calories. Somebody say yes. And so it's going to be awesome. But I, I really wanted to talk about today a specific passage of scripture in Mark chapter 6. If you look at it, it's um, really, really, really interesting. Um, if, you, if you actually look at it, there's a, there's a unique um, passage of scripture that um, you'll, you'll see that, that, that uh, Jesus was really having with his disciples. It was an interesting, um, it was an interesting, it's an interesting book. It's not Mark, John 6, sorry. Um, but it was an interesting passage of scripture that Jesus walked through with some of his closest disciples. And it's unique because he talks about food. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the kind of context of, of what's kind it happened. Okay, so he just, here's why he's talking about food, is Jesus had just fed the, um, the 5,000, and it was more than 5,000, but we say Jesus fed the 5,000, it was 5,000 men, but there was women and children, so he fed a bunch of people, and they had got so happy with Jesus, because I just know this, being in church leadership, once you feed the people, they will come, and so um, we do food all the time after services and stuff, we have fun with that, but the truth is, is that he fed, you know, over 5,000 people, and then he took off, and then the people decided, we're going to chase you. So they chased him across this sea and get to the other side, and Jesus starts addressing what they're eating and why they're eating and what they really are coming to Jesus for. And so we're going to read it in verse 26, and it says, Jesus replied, not, we'll put it up on the screen if you don't bring it up. He said, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, you don't want to be with me because I fed you. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. An interesting kind of question he 
poses to them. He kind of looks into their hearts. He says, like, you, you're, you're with me for the wrong reasons. I'm always nervous about that when I could be honest with my own life. I'm like, man, like, I never want to come to God for the wrong reasons, for what he can give me, right, instead of who he is. I never want to go to God for the gift. I want to go to God for the giver. And so he's, he's addressing that. And verse 27 says, but, you don't, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your, your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me this seal of approval. And he goes on to say, they replied, we want to perform good works too. What should we do? We want to do these things that you're talking about. And Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. She's like, you need to believe in me. And they answered, show us a miraculous sign. This is, this is such a church response right here. I just want you all to know. This is such a Christian response. Like Jesus is saying, I'm in front of you. I'm a big deal. If you just focus on me, all your problems will solve. Then Christian folks say stuff like this. Then show me a sign. Like Jesus is standing in front of you. Miracles are happening. You, I get this a lot. Like they'll get into a church service. Like people will come to our church and be like, man, I found life. God's doing something. My, ma- my marriage is getting restored. My kids are getting healed. It's got awesome. Life is good. But I don't know if this is my church. I, I, I need a sign. Like, I need a sign. I need to see something. I need something to kind of show. Some of y'all say that to me someone when I talk to them, and it's, and it's just how we are. It's like, we just, we want to see God. We really want, well, I bet God could open up the heavens, right? He could talk through a burning television set to us about what we should do, and you would still say, show me a sign. I mean, if they did it with Jesus standing in front of them, we're going to do it when he's not in front of them. Come on, isn't that true? He says, show us a sign. What can you do? And after all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness, The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. And I like Jesus kind of like says, actually, that's not true. He said, I'll tell you the truth. Or better yet, he's like, let me tell you what really happened. Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. I like that. He kind of like brought in his parents. He's like, my daddy gave you that. Moses didn't do nothing. Charlton Heston don't have nothing on God. He said, and now he offers you the true bread from heaven. Verse 33, the true bread. Of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they responded, sir, they said, give us this bread every day. And Jesus replied, well, look, I'm standing in front of you. I'm the bread. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Translation, if you're taking notes, Jesus was saying what you, what you eat determines how you live. Like what you eat, what, what, what your diet is, like what you, what you ingest, it matters what you put. In your, in your body. And with that as our backdrop, let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for today. I thank you, Lord, that there is something so powerful about the word of God and the scriptures of God and, the, and, the, and the, I think the spirit of God that, um, that we need desperately in your life, in our life. And I pray that, God, we, we would open up our hearts to you, help our minds to be clear and our hearts to be open in every aspect of this message. Get me out of the way. Let's make much of you today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Um, uh, about a couple of years ago, if you don't know anything about me, I'm a little dramatic. Um, I, you know, I'm a little, if you've been here longer than one week, you'll realize this guy, he's out of control. And so I have some dramatic tendencies in my life and, 
And what I, what I, the way that I'm wired is um, I, I like to stick to most natural things. I try to eat as natural as possible. I try to not do too many medicines. I try to stick with, um, you know, try to let my body kind of do what it needs to do. Um, but every once in a while, I'll get to a point in my life where I won't really be able to um, get through it. And, and I, I, when, I first, when we first planted the church, um, I was going through some really, really bad stomach pains. I had some really bad issues with my stomach. And, and if you've ever gone through stomach issues, it's, it's really, really tough, you know, and I was like, man, I was struggling and not really doing good, and I got all the checks and all this, I checked everything out, and everybody said everything was fine, except I did have some gallstones. I had some gall issues with my gallbladder, and I was like, ah, man, you know, I, and they're like, you know, what, what we'd like to do is, is take out your gallbladder. I'm like, nah, I'd rather not do that. Like, if I could just make it pass and get it all natural. I'm trying to stick to natural as possible. So um, I went online, and uh, because, you know, that's where you find things if you want to know the truth about stuff, and so I went to the online world, and I decided I was going to go um, do a gallbladder flush, and then, and, and, and if you've ever did like YouTube or, or internet gallbladder stuff, like I really wanted to do this. It was natural. And I'm like, this is going to be great. It's going to save my life. And so um, I went to my wife and I said, hey, babe, I'm going to do a gallbladder flush. She said, well, where did you learn that? And I said, well, on the internet. I said, because if it's on the internet, it's, it's true. And so she, she said, well, well, I don't know about that, honey. I think you might not, you might need to ask a doctor, maybe ask a professional. I said, look, I know what I'm doing, right? I know what I'm doing. I, I looked at it, I checked it out, I researched it, it's no big deal. She said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to get a, a, like two cups of olive oil and, and then like some herbs and spices like KFC. I'm just going to throw some herbs and spices it's in the recipe of what to do. And so I'm going to put all in there and then when I mix it all up and then the, the recipe says, the splush says to drink all of it, like drink it. Now, I don't know if y'all like cook with olive oil, that's different than drinking olive oil. And if you ever drank olive oil, it's a trip, right? It's, it's a little bit different. And so I picked up this two cup full, of, which felt like two gallons full of olive oil, and I drank the whole thing. And she goes, well, how do you feel? And I said, well, not good. You know, not good. And so I said, but I'll be all right. You know, I'm a man. You know, come on, guys. You know what I'm saying? We men. So I'm like, I'm a man. And so I'm like sitting on the couch watching a movie with my wife, and I just started feeling it, right? I'm like, oh, man, this, ain't, this don't feel right. It don't feel right, you know. And she's like, she's like, what's wrong? I said, honey, I don't feel good. I, I'm telling. So I started seeing two television streets. And so I like, I saw one, and then it just like it did that kind of weird like that. And I was like, oh no, like I, babe, I think you need to take me to the hospital. She goes, stop kidding. Yeah, I don't know if you're like, I, I'm the guy who cries wolf all the time. If I get a hangnail, I'm like, take me to the emergency room right now. I'm not good. Like, I need to go to the hospital. And so she's like, she's like, stop playing, stop playing, stop playing. And I'm like, no, you don't understand, babe. Like, I'm not, I'm dizzy right now. I don't feel good. I'm like, I don't feel right. I think I need to go to the hospital. She goes, no, I'm not taking you to the hospital. I'm watching, I'm watching my show. I said, I'm just, I get your show is on. Can we pause it? And then we can go to the hospital. We, we push play. You know, I put on my phone, whatever you need, just take me to the hospital. She goes, no, it's, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. Stop being dramatic. I said, like, all right. So I get up and I start walking to the, my, my room and not care. Okay, I'm telling you, if I'm lying, I'm done. This happened, okay? So if you go talk to my wife after, I'm telling you this happened. So I get up, I start walking along and I start drifting a little bit. Y'all ever drift when you walk? Like, you know, so I get up and I start drifting a little bit. I put my hand on the wall and all I remember, all I remember is literally my hand sliding off the wall as I fall and I pass out. So I passed out in my room. As I'm walking through the door, I pass out. I'm on the ground. I wake up to my wife slapping my face. She's slapping, she's slapping my face. I'm like, what? What? I'm like, what happened? She goes, will you stop playing around? I said, that's not what... I'm not being dramatic. Like, I'm, I'm, I was on the ground. I passed out. I'm like, I'm out cold. I can't fake this. I go, you're going to take me to the hospital? She goes, no, my show's almost done. I was like... 
y'all killing me, you know? And I, so I poisoned, the, here's a moral, of the story. I poisoned myself, okay? And it didn't work. My gallbladder still was broken. I had to take it out, okay? It's bad, all right? So didn't work. What I learned was a very valuable lesson that day. It matters what you put in your body, right? Like, come on, how many, how many of y'all know? It matters what you eat. Like, it's going to matter what you, and I'm going to use some metaphors today in terms of what you eat and what you digest this holiday season because the holidays are interesting because there's some unique foods that only happen in the holiday. My fa- I'm Mexican, so my family, we pull out tamales at Christmas time. Does anybody else do that other than me? Okay, so we only eat tamales at Christmas. I don't eat tamales. It's sacrilegious in my house to eat tamales in May. You don't eat tamales then. You eat tamales at Christmas time. And so there's Christmas cookies and all this. There's a lot of times. So there's going to be a lot of diet options for you this holiday season. I'm going to give you just three this holiday season. I hopefully can maybe help us have a better um, holiday season for us to be healthy in our diet. Number one, number one is this, and I think this is going to be really good for all of us. Number one is limit the sweets. I know, I know. Limit, limit the, limit the sweets. Um, Here's what's interesting about the, the sweets that you and I, I can eat. They, they, they tend to be, you know what sweets really are? I'm going to tell you what sweets really are. Sweets are tasty fillers with no substance. That's really what they are, if we're honest, right? It's not really food. Y'all know that, right? It's not, it, like when you make a cookie that's made of like processed sugar and barely flour, right? That's been bleached a billion times. And then you add candy on top of it and you put it in your body, they're tasty as all get out. I'm not going to lie to you, right? There's some good Christmas, but they have very little to no substance, Jesus says, but don't be concerned. Don't be concerned, verse 27, with the perishable things. I think the perishable things are the sweets in our life. If I give you the life lesson from this would be is stop allowing things in your life that feel good in the moment but are ultimately regretful. I mean, Christmas is interesting because it'll give you a lot of opportunities to do things that feel good right in the moment. Like you waited all year long to see your cousin and all the posts he be posting about his political party. And he's sitting at your Christmas table. And now it's going to feel real. You be like, I've been waiting to tell you something. And you, it'll say, you want to say, how many, has anybody ever told someone off and in that moment you felt so good? Anybody else but the pastor? Anybody? Okay, good. We got two people who felt that way and two of them are on staff at the church. I'm trying to be honest in here. Can we have an honest conversation? Has anybody told anybody off? Raise your hand. Okay. Yeah, it felt real good in the moment. But then you walked away from it feeling like, oh, man. You know, if I would have done that again. Has anybody ever said that before? If I would have done that over, I probably would have said this differently. Sweets are so interesting. They can do, you can, it'll make you, stuff that just feels so good. And my son, I remember we were, uh, we were went camping with this family. And um, we, we had never gone camping with this family before. How many of y'all have ever, like, you know, you got to, you learn a lot about people when you go traveling with them. How many of y'all know that, right? And so you learn whole new ways of living in life that you never even thought about. My kids are very regimented. They go to bed at a certain time. They eat certain things. I'm pretty sure, like, we don't give our kids candy and cookies and sweets. You want to know why? They're already nuts. I got five boys. 
They're already everywhere. They don't need any more incentive or, you know, extra, you know, push out the door. They have enough sugar naturally in their body. But we went camping with this family, and the first thing this family did, we get to the campsite. We get to the campsite. They pull out of their truck two Costco boxes of cookies and candy, and they placed it on the table, opened it up in front of the kids, and then walked away. (laughs) And I didn't know about this till later that night because when I looked at the box, it was gone one night. And I was like, oh, man, we must have all just had cookies. I said, honey, so I started asking the adults, did you eat any cookies? No. Did you any cookies? No. Come to find out, our children had eaten the entire box of Costco cookies. Costco, y'all. So that night we go to bed, and what do you think happened? I go to bed. I wake up to, And I see my child, he's screaming as he's throwing like projectile. It's coming out. Full cookies are coming out of him because his body had not had a chance to process the nonsense that went into his body. Long story short, we don't camp with those people no more. Because in that moment, right, in that moment, it felt really good for my son to eat 25 packs of Oreo cookies. But he ultimately regretted it. And the question you have to ask yourself is, what do I do right now in the holiday season that I feel is really good in the moment, but I ultimately regret? My, my trainer used to say, like, they're, they're empty calories that you want to stay away from. Like, if you don't eat something, eat something right. Eat something that's going to give something to your body. Eat something that's going to bring health to you. The way they always say, what, like a moment on the lips? <laughs> Lifetime on the hips, right? <laughs> it's partly true. So spiritually, relationally, what does that mean this, this holiday season? Number one, this, this is how it manifests. Sweets manifest in, in two ways. And this is just two generalized topics. Number one, and, and unwise things. So these are things that are not necessarily sin, but they're, they're just unwise. Like, so there's some things this holiday season, this Christmas season, you're going to go through where you're going to like, it's, it's not necessarily a sin, but it's unwise. I was, um, I was literally uh, with uh, a friend, uh, some friends recently, and we were all hanging out with our families, and this is what we look like. I just want to show you a picture of, of this is what we look like. This is what we look like. We planned a party to get together and hang out and see each other. And this is what we look like. Not you, like me. This is me. I'm talking about me. We planned a party to get together, to share in time. And we were all on our phones. Now, here's the funny. Is it a sin to be on your phone? No. It's not a trick question. There's nothing inherently sinful about a piece of technology. But I would argue to say that sometimes we use it in a way that's very unwise. And I just wonder if this holiday season, when you get around your family, you look like that. More than you should. Like, I I don't believe in condemning people. I don't think that's the place for the church. But I do believe in conviction. I think that's a move of the Holy Spirit. That's an act of the Holy Spirit. I just wonder 
how often we're attached to screens. I wonder, for those of you who get your worth from what you do, how often you work this holiday season. You could have went home at 4.30, 5 o'clock, but you stayed an extra four, five, six, seven, eight hours. And you made more money, but you missed out on moments. Is it a sin to work hard and do overtime? No. But I just wonder if, if after a while, you at the end of your life would go back I wonder if you would ever say on your deathbed, I wish I would have worked a few more hours. Or if I wish I would have stayed and had a few more moments with my kids. I, I just, I wonder if, if we do things that make us feel good in the moment. I don't know about you, but I can get caught up in it. Second way it manifests is not on, on, on wise things, in flat-out sinful things. There are, I, can I be honest? I said this last weekend because I feel like some people need to be re, like reminded. There is right and wrong in the world. There is sin and there is issues in the world. There are problems and things that you and I should absolutely stay away from. And I think, I think one of the things that I found in holiday season and Christmas time, because you get around people, is that... Um, and you got to be careful of this all year round, but I'm just saying in holidays, I think it's manif it's, it, it manifests itself a little more magnetic. It's a little bit more hot topic. Um, you got to be careful with certain, certain things that are, that are blatantly sinful. I want, and I just wanted to bring one up. This, I think this is important. This could be for, for, for somebody in here. I need you to understand gossip and slander is a sin. Like talking about someone with someone else who has nothing to do with it and cannot help the situation is sinful. It's a big deal to God. Like, it's a, it's, a, it's a big, and you know what's so weird about it? It feels so good. Doesn't it? Can we be honest? You realize sin is like that, right? Like, what's funny about when I was a teenager, uh, when I was a youth pastor, I used to preach to teenagers all the time. And I would talk to parents. I was a youth pastor for almost 10 years. Like, I literally would talk to parents, and parents would be like, can you just get up there and say, like, you know, having like premarital sex is terrible. It feels terrible. It's like the worst thing ever. I go, then nobody would do it. Y'all realize like your kids are going to call your bluff. So you want me to lie to them? And then hopefully they'll follow the lie. I said, what's better is to say, you know what? It might feel really good in the moment, but it actually leaves really long-lasting, hard, big, soulful, sinful, deep chasms and issues in your soul that you have to work out over a lifetime. So it might feel good in the moment, but it has long consequences. That's all sin, by the way. If it wasn't like that, we wouldn't do it, y'all realize. So it's not a helpful or conducive for a pastor to get up and say, don't sin, it feels terrible. No, it feels great in the moment, but with incredible destruction on the back end. And slander and gossip is like that scientifically. Y'all know that, right? Like our brains fire differently. I'm going to read this to you. According to psychologist Colin Gill, gossip boosts levels of positive hormones like serotonin, reducing stress and anxiety. When we gossip, it makes us feel happier and releases those feel-good chemicals. You're like, well, pastor, shouldn't I do that? I want to feel good. There's a lot of things that release 
those chemicals that are not good for you. But it's still a sin. I, I want to read just a, couple, just a couple of them. This is just two. I want to read you one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. Leviticus 19 says, Do not spread slanderous gossip among the people. Do not stand idly by when your neighbor's life is threatened. I am the Lord. You don't like Old Testament? I'm from the Old I'm in the New Covenant, Pastor. Okay, New Testament. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. I'm just giving you two verses of many where God highlights the idea that you and I should not be talking about folk. Let me make it clear. When you talk negatively about others, it's a big deal to God. Gossip destroys businesses. It destroys families. It destroys friendships. It destroys relationships. It destroys churches. And so when you get around people who talk negatively about other people, my grandmama used to say this, if they can gossip with you, they can gossip about you. And so you might think you're safe in that moment. Yeah, I know. Did you see what she was doing with the person? that they do? But Can you believe what happened over there? Because they're going to do that about, did you believe what he was doing? I'm just telling you, it's a gift that keeps on giving. And the only way that you stop it is the principle of supply and demand. You just got to stop buying what they're selling. You just got to shut it down. You know you can say stuff. I just want you to know this. You know you can say stuff like, hey, I don't really want to talk about that. Hey, I love you, but I don't really want to talk about that. Hey, you all, you all, hey, it's all good, like, but we ain't going to talk about that right now. Like, if somebody brings up your family member, you know you can say, instead of saying, I know, did you see that? Instead, you know you can say, hey, you know what? Like, this, this holiday season, I'm just going to. I'm trying not to do that right now. I love you. Can we talk about something else? What about the what, you know, what about the game coming up? You know, what about Spurs? You know, what about Dallas? You know, how are they gonna lose in the playoff? Whatever, you know, it's like whatever. You know, I just whatever. Just, just kidding. Group hugs. Bring you back? Okay, all right, let's move on. What sinful or unwise things you need to limit this this holiday season? Limit the sweets. Number two, increase the protein. Increase the protein. Increase the protein. I like what he says. It keeps, goes on in verse 27. He says, spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. He goes, he goes so instead of doing stuff on perishable things, things that feel good in the moment but don't last, do stuff that actually brings health. Do stuff that's actually going to bring health to your life. Here's how I define protein. Unappetizing things that bring needed health. Unappetizing things that bring needed elements of health. Like, there are some things that you just got to put in your body. I remember when I first... Um, I mentioned earlier that I lost a bunch of weight. I remember uh, when my first trainer like meetings I had, and we were talking about diet and all that stuff. And he goes, "You need to try this protein shake." He goes, "It's so good." I drank it, and I was like, "He goes, isn't it good?" I said, it "Compared to what? <laughs> right? Like com- compare like to a chocolate shake? This is not because it was a chocolate protein shake." He goes, "And it just tastes just like a pro- like a chocolate shake." I go, "No." What shake are you getting? The one I get from, you know, Whataburger or whatever. That's good. That ain't this. But he goes, he goes, but you got to do it. Get some protein in your life because you get some good stuff in your elements in your body. Got some vitamins. Got some stuff that you need to be healthy. Here's the life lesson. Do things that might not feel good in the moment but ultimately bring back health. So this is the opposite of the sweets, right? And these are really what I call selfless moments. Uh, Christmas time is interesting because it pushes the selfishness in you and in me. 
Because everywhere, everybody's saying, get it, 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 get it. You like it, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. And Christmas is like on 10. And so in the holiday season, one of the best things you can do for your diet, we're talking about, look, if you don't want to have a good holiday season, don't do any of this stuff. Do the opposite. But like, one of the best things you can do is be selfless in those moments. And the question you got to ask yourself, how can I be selfless in this season for my health? Some of the best moments, some of the best moments I've ever had as I look back on my life are, the, are, are when I did things I didn't want to do, but they ultimately were great. Um, I remember um, recently, last year, we always go to, um, we go on a Christmas trip, and we went to this place that had um, ice skating. And, and we, we saw, the, we, we've gone for years, but we never did ice skating with our kids. And because um, I'm like, no, we ain't doing ice skating. You know, you're going to fall. You're going to break your neck. I ain't doing that, you know. And so um, my wife, finally, she, she, you know, because she, she's Mexican dynamite. And so she was like, hey, uh, we're going to put the kids in ice skating this year. I was like, no, we're not. She goes, okay. And so she we put them in ice skating. And so, uh, and so we put them in ice skating. And so we're out there. And she goes, uh, she goes well, you, you, someone needs to go out there with them. Uh, yeah, I agree. She goes, it's it you or it's me, and it ain't going to be me. I was like, well, I guess I'm ice skating. So I get out in the ice skating rink, and uh, is anybody married to a woman like that? Okay, just, uh, just pray for us. And so, uh, so I'm out there ice skating with my son, and um, I remember putting my ice skates on, and then like the moment you put your ice skates on, like you, 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 want, you don't know how to walk, and you, your ankles hurt, and it's just bad. And uh, I was like, man, this, I'm just so mad. This is going to be terrible. And I get on the ice skating ring. God's my witness. I got off the ice skating with my son. I told my wife. This is the first thing I said to my wife. This is the greatest thing I ever did with him. I loved it. He smiled the whole time. And I was pushing him on those little ice skating pushing things. And I was like, we're going to have fun. I was laughing. I was having a good time. And it all happened after a moment where I got past myself and focused on someone else. So, so this holiday season, it could be a good opportunity for you to get past yourself, get, get past the things. So maybe you can go, maybe this, instead of going to eat where you want to go eat, say, hey, kids, for Christmas, we get to go eat where you want to eat. Where do you want to go? I know that sounds crazy because they'd probably be like, Chuck E. Cheese, you know, or whatever. Maybe instead of going to the places you want to go, maybe you go take them, instead of going home and getting on your phone, take them out and go and see some, some Christmas light. Y'all see what I'm saying? Like, it might not feel good in the moment. It's an investment. It's selfless. But, man, it's going to bring about health to your life. Guys, go shopping with your wife this holiday season. Go. That's one woman thankful I said that. Did you hear? She's like, preach it again, pastor. Say it with your chest. I got one. Ladies, watch a movie he wants to watch. <laughs> y'all girls, Mr. Ch you missed your chance. I had one for both y'all. I'm talking any movie. The one with the blood and the fire and the guts and the guns. We in Texas. Number three. This is how I'm done. Three. So limit the sweets. Increase the protein. Third one is this. Practice portion control. Now, this one I don't like because I'm telling you, I could eat. I could, I could eat. And one thing my trainer always told me, he said, you just got to be careful, man. Like, it's calories in and calories out. You can't get around that principle. 
verse 33 says, the true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the, to the world. He says, he says, what you really need is to look to God for your value, for your filling, for your energy. Like you're going to look to a lot of things in this world. A lot of things have thrown themselves out to you. But don't look to any person, any person for your life. Look to God for your life. If you're single in here, just so you know, one is a whole number. You don't need someone in your life to bring you value. You have value, period. But we don't look to people to bring us value. Now, they bring value, but they don't bring us our value. Hello. And so we, if, if, this is why this is so important. Because if you look at people as your source of value, you'll never establish boundaries for people who actually hurt you. You're too afraid. Because you're like, well, if I cut them out of my life, where am I going to get all my love and value and esteem and all this? Like, if I don't do it, like, we don't understand. And there are a lot of unhealthy people in this world who have no boundaries in their life. There's no, they practice no portion control. This is, you know what portion control really is? Predetermined conditions of what I'll eat. Here's the life lesson. I will predetermine the conditions by which I allow relationship in my life. Predetermined. Boundaries are simply this. They are predetermined conditions that help us determine relationship. This is really important. If you checked out and you're like, I don't know what you said for the first, please pay attention to this part. This is so important because if you're a Christian in here, you'll, mess, you'll misunderstand this so easily because, you, because of the word, one word, because of, of, of love. Let me introduce you what real boundaries, Christian boundaries, what a real Christian Christ-like life looks like, especially in the holiday season. It's one with boundaries. Here's what boundaries really are. They're predetermined. Number one, they are established before the moment, before the moment of relationship, because emotion and circumstances can always cloud your judgment. Because you can say, I'm not getting into a relation with him. No. And then he comes up and he goes, but honey, you don't understand. You're my life. You're my life. You're my life. Look at me. And he cries. And he buys you something nice. And before you know it, you're back in relationship with him. But if you had already predetermined, say, hey, you can do whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. But you crossed the line. Therefore, my predetermined boundary, right? The lie detector had te determined that was a lie. And we are not going to be in relationship. It's already established. So you can't be clouded in your judgment. Second element of that is it's a condition. You know what conditions really are? Here's what conditions really are. They're things that must be accomplished. So, so if you put them all together, boundaries are predetermined before the moment conditions that, that determine whether or not we're in a relationship. You know what I like to call boundary? A boundary is a fence. It's not a wall. Because some of us take it too far. You make things walls. You have walled everyone else out of your life. And you took boundary way too far. That's not a boundary. That's a wall. Boundaries are more like fences. When I first moved to Texas, what I was so excited about, you want to know one of the things I was so excited about when I first bought my house in Texas? 
I've never been to Texas. never moved here. never lived here. Never, it was amazing. Loved it. You want to know what it was? Y'all, we have fences here in our homes. Now, I know that might sound crazy because you grew up in Texas or California where I'm from. Like, you know, like, that's a thing. But did you know that parts of the world we live in have houses without fences? Let me give you an example. I lived in Missouri for a good bit of my life. Loved it. The only thing I didn't like about it, there was no fences. It was houses stacked on houses, and then you just saw into everybody's backyard. When I first moved to Missouri and I put my barbecue in the back, I'm like, where's the fence? Where I'm from in California... You put something in the backyard, there's no fence, it's gone next morning. So I like camped out that first night. I'm like watching. I'm like, who's going to take my barbecue pit? But I moved to Texas. We got a fence. You know what? I looked at my fence. My fence has a thing called a gate. And you can walk to the gate, open the gate, walk through, and you can walk out, or you can lock the gate. The gate was the key. It was the key. It was the boundary. It was the condition, y'all. It was saying, if you do this or if you don't do this, then we can actually have a relationship. But if you decide that you're going to live a certain way, we're not going to be in relationship. And Christians get this wrong all the time. They hear Jesus say stuff like, love everyone. You should love people like I've loved people. And that means to you, you let everybody into your life. But love does not equal relationship. In fact, when Jesus said love, it was agapeo, not agape. It was agapeo, which actually meant to wish them well. So you know what you can do with love like that? You can love people from a distance. And some of us should. Some of you have relationships right now where there are no conditions and no boundaries in your life, and they keep hurting you, and then you go to God and say, God, I thought you told me to love people. And God's saying, I did. But you get that joker out your life. Why do you keep letting them in? Let me prove it to you. If you have kids in here, because some of y'all are like, I don't know if I even agree with this. I think we should love everybody. Let everybody in. Okay, okay, okay. Let's go with your logic. If I grab someone off the street and I said, hey, I'm a, I brought them to your house and I put them in your house and said, let them watch your kids. We can take off. Would you do that? Y'all should say no. Some of y'all still like, yes, they need a dating love of Jesus. No, no. Because you don't know who they are. They could be the best thing since sliced bread, or they could be a serial killer. You don't know that because they have not followed up. You have not, they have not met your conditions. We all got conditions. And if you don't, you should. Because you don't let everybody in your life. This is so important. I want to make sure you hear this. So when you, when you hear somebody say, man, I had to remove them from my life, you don't make them feel guilty or use Christian jargon that is out of context in their life. Well, you should be loving people. Let me just tell you, I love a whole lot of people from a distance because they have not held up to my conditions and my standards of what I allow relationship in my life. Now, listen. Some of us take it too far. You've created a wall. There's no access into your life. But I'm not saying that's what it is. I'm saying create a boundary, a fence. So if they walk into your life, they recognize and they know. They know. We do that at the church, just so you know. Just for those of you who feel like they got the church, y'all got like negative impact on the church, like the church church should let everybody in. That's not true. You know that, right? Like we love everybody. Everybody is welcome. As long as you don't act 
crazy. Y'all realize that, right? You want to know why you should have conditions? It's bring safety, security, and order. Order is of the Lord. So, so you need to know, like, you're like, well, we need to let everybody know. No, if you're talking bad about the church, you don't belong in the church. If somebody was talking bad about your wife, you want to go dinner with them on a regular basis, have a relationship? No, because they're talking bad about your wife. They say something about your kids. They're slandering your name. Come on. That's not love. That's relationship. You should always have boundaries around your relationships. And some of us are really unhealthy. Some Christian people are the most unhealthy people because you let everybody in your life. No. You love everyone. You can accomplish that commandment. You know that without allowing access with everybody in your life. Unconditional love does not mean unconditional access. And it's in the access where the hurt happens. Let me just give you a few Bible verses just to prove my point. Proverbs 4.23. Above all else, guard your heart. Everybody say guard. Guard your heart for everything that, do, that, that you do flows from it. Guard means you have a boundary. So what it means is boundaries are for what you allow in your heart. Psalms 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. This thought is boundaries who you do life with. It is a, you, you, you have to be careful. There is a condition that comes with the blessing. Right? There's, there's, the ble- there's conditions. You want to get blessed, but you got to, there's an if. If you do this, Titus 3.10, warn a divisive, come on, this is for those of you who feel like there should never be any church discipline. Warn a divisive person once, warn them a second time. After that, welcome them back into the family. Have nothing to do, y'all hear what I'm saying? Like, this is really important for the fabric of a healthy family. There are some of you who have warned some people in your life multiple times. Be careful. Watch what you do. Please don't talk about my wife like that. Please don't say that about my kids. When you come in here, you can't be drunk. When you walk around here, you can't be high. When you walk into our home, you can't be like that. And then you get guilty because you feel like you're not honoring God. No, you're honoring God by having boundaries. You're honoring God. And the holiday season makes us feel all whirly, swirly, squirrely about it. No, 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 no. There's a boundary for everything. There should be boundaries for unhealthy people. By the way, you want to know how you know if you're divisive? They're a divisive person? If they divide. If they're trying to actively take people from you. If they're trying to break up your family. If they're trying to break up your business. If they're trying to do, if they're trying to hurt you, that's a divisive person. And that's okay. We got to just recognize that. So here's how we do this. We got to have a right perspective on healthy relationships. Here's what healthy relationships really are. Can I be honest? I'm done. I'm done. Healthy relationships are really like this. Healthy relationships are, are more of a, um, they're more of an art than a science. It's a tension you have to manage. It's not a problem to solve. You're, you're going to have to have moments where like, you, 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 what, here's what's gonna, what you're going to be like, okay, pastor. So like, let me just tell you my situation. It's this and this and this. What do you think I should do? Like, it depends. The answer for most of your life is it depends. And you're going to have to be art in your 
your moments with your relationships. You'll be artful. Like, like, mm. There's going to be moments where you're going to let people in. There's going to be moments where you let people out. There's an art to knowing who to let in, when to let them in, how to let them in, at what level you let them in, what steps you let them in. Like, that's where wisdom comes into play. That's where you should have good people in your life and small groups and pastors and leaders where they're, hey, what do you think about this as I walk them in and step this in? Do you think this is okay? Because relational boundaries, let me just tell you this, relational boundaries actually help you love people fully and wisely. They help you accomplish the mission that, of that Jesus said to go and love people. You got to practice portion control this holiday season. And my hope would be that as you do that, you would have the greatest Christmas season ever. Let's pray. Father, I love you, God. Lord, I thank you that today you've given us a word from you. Holy Spirit, you've spoken to us and what we needed. You made it personal. You made it real. You made it so clear to us today. And I pray, God, that as we limit the sweets, as we increase the protein, God, I pray as we, as we practice portion control, God, as we would do that with our relationships, God, you would, the fruit of that would be manifested this holiday season in Jesus' name.